Hey, everybody, we back again. We back. I'm Spencer, and of course, we have our licensed clinical therapist, Nas. I was going to take my glasses off, and I took the earplug out. Dr. Nas. My father goes, You're a doctor, all right. You're a doctor. My father goes, Are you trying to look like a dumbass? He's like, I think you're trying to. That's your own father. So remember that. Um, And this is the Different Spectrums podcast where we talk about movies, shows, and the mental health aspects that surround them. We also like to have some laughs. So don't take us too seriously. Or do. That's up to you. There you go. Also, don't forget to run up those likes for us. We'd really appreciate it. So before we get to our guest today, uh, go check out all of our great collaborators, Cure Hydration, Bubs Naturals, Pinfinity, Silver Dollar Candle, Two Nerds Candle Company, and Cat and Raven Company. That was a mouthful, but go check them out on our link tree and you can get up to 20% off your entire order if you use the code DSP or DSP20 or just by clicking the link on our link tree. So go check those out. Great companies, great people that we are collaborating with. So go check them out, get some stuff. And then also go check out our merch. Be different. Go grab stuff. Do it. Or you can say that you're from Mental Health University. I failed that one. Existing 2022. That's right. Started 2022. That's right. Um, go buy your stuff today. Um, so like I said, we have a very special guest today. Uh, she is a licensed marriage and family therapist, and she's also the author of a children's book called The Tale of a Trio. Please welcome Kat the Counselor to the show. I am so excited to be here. (laughs) You better be. (laughs) <laughs> I don't like being here right now. Well, that sucks. You're going to be here for two more hours, so yeah. get used to it. <laughs> Jesus. Good this is times. when she does the exit thing that she said. And uh-huh. click. Yep. That red button. <laughs> if my baby needs something, I'll be back. All right. <laughs> and never to return. Uh, thank you for joining us today, Kat. We really appreciate, appreciate it. it. Yes. Awesome. So today we are going to be taking a look at the show Friends. All right. Um, so thank you. I appreciate it. I love doing acoustics. Uh so we're gonna be checking out a few different topics for today, a few different clips. Um, having to deal with loss, uh, grieving, and uh talking to a cat that might be your mother reincarnated so yeah good stuff today uh nas anything before we get into the show some of my clients know when we talk about grief i got this 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 ceramic cat is in my office hmm. and that that's my that's my that's my brother reincarnated he's in there he's watching us mm-hmm. in a still statue he in a little cat statue just just sitting there forever just just sitting there watching and the the funny thing is you know he was like career criminal so you know he probably just waiting to see what he can take but you know (laughs) i can hear him when i'm talking as soon as the kid be like i live in a nice house oh you do do you 
What address like is that again? The Big yes. Bad Wolf. Why am I n What nice TVs you have, my dear. <laughs> like Toy Story. Just starts walking. And no one's looking. <laughs> um, not creepy at all. Not creepy at all. So yeah, um, Cat wanted to bring up Friends, and I feel like a lot of folks watch it. As Cat said, you kind of go to sleep to it at night. I've got my own shows that I do that with. Friends used to be one of them, and so we did a couple polls or we did a poll the other day and a lot of people watch friends uh, on our thing so it was like really excited to do this we're going to talk about some attachment styles probably some grief probably some different personality types and of course of course autism detective <laughs> detective yeah. uh just so you know, Kat, this is actually intervention. Your family and friends want us to break the news to you. You, you have the tip. I knew it. <laughs> I mean, you might. So, uh, <laughs> um, that is actually very funny. <laughs> That'd probably become a segment on our show now. That should be. Um, you have this thing we call autism, and um, <laughs> you got it. You know, like the old show Punked. This is yeah. It's just called Tism. <laughs> yeah. It's a fake podcast just as an intervention. Oh my, so many. I can feel the lawsuits uh, happening. I can feel them impending. Just Oops. letters hitting me in the face. Um, I know. So let's uh let's have some fun. I already feel like this is gonna be really good because like she's rolling with everything, so it's gonna be exciting. Yeah, she is. Mm -hmm. Let's do it. Whoop whoop. Whoop whoop. Whoop. She she There's got one. Two whoops. You gotta do one, two, one, two. It's like whoop whoop. There you go. Well, I have three now, so we're cursed. <laughs> Beetlejuice will appear. <laughs> Beetlejuice. <laughs> Don't say it again. He's gonna appear. Don't say. Oh, it. hey, what's up, mom? Yeah. Oh my. Right. Yeah. We're done. And I'm... Hey everyone, thanks for watching our show today. We just wanted to take some time to give a special shout out to our collaborator, Cat and Raven Design. They are a small queer owned business that specializes in LGBTQ plus pride soaps. They have great designs, some that even look good to eat, but don't. You can get 10% off your entire order if you use the code DSP or go to our link tree. Help support this great small business and help give back to a great community. Do you want to explain that? <laughs> I mean, well, because when I was growing up, you know, my dad left and my mother died and my stepfather went to jail, so I barely had enough pieces of parents to make one whole one. And, like, here's this little baby who has, like, three whole parents who care about it so much that they're fighting over who gets to love it the most, and it's not even born yet. It's just, it's just the luckiest baby in the whole world. I'm sorry, you were fighting. <laughs> you don't have insurance here, so stop calling us. You need to tell her? <sighs> okay, fine. Phoebes? Yeah, hi. Hi. Listen, uh... This cat belongs to a little girl. Uh, there are flyers all over the place. Sorry, sweetie. 
Hey, we can take her back with you if you want. Oh. Hmm. But, you know, she chose to find me. I mean, I have to respect her decision, right? That's a good that's call. A good yeah, yeah. That's no, no. Look, hey, enough is enough. Look, I am sorry that you feel guilty or whatever about spending time with your new mom, but this is not your old mom. This is a cat. Okay, Julio the cat. <laughs> not mom, cat. Ross, how many parents have you lost? None. Okay, then you don't know what it feels like when one of them comes back, do you? <laughs> I believe this is my mother. Even if I'm wrong, who cares? Just be a friend, okay? Be supportive. I'm sorry. Okay. I don't know what to say. <laughs> you could say you're sorry to her mom. <laughs> I think she would like that. Come here, here, come here, come here. <laughs> Mrs. Buffet. <laughs> Sorry about what I said. Um, it was, it was insensitive of me to say that you were just a cat. <laughs> when clearly you are also the reincarnated spirit of my friend's mother. <laughs> Thank you. We both forgive you. Uh. <laughs> well, honey, what are you gonna do about the little girl? Yeah, okay. Listen, um, Mom, I hope you know that you still mean a lot to me. And you're welcome to come back anytime. Phoebes, if she could come back as a couch, we'd really appreciate it. <laughs> come on, Mom. This is your office. How did you guys find me? I knew I should have hit at the gym. What the hell are you doing? Panicking. And using the internet to try to prove that I'm related to Monica. <laughs> How is she? She's fine. She doesn't know you're gone. And she doesn't have to know, okay? Now, come on. We're going home. No, no, no. I can't do that. Why not? Because if I go home, we're going to become the Bings. <laughs> I can't be the Bings. What's wrong with being the Bings? The Bings have horrible marriages. They yell, they fight, and they use the pool boy as a pawn in their sexual games. Chandler, have you ever put on a black cocktail dress and asked me up to your hotel room? No. Then you are neither of your parents. It's not just their marriage. I mean, look at yours. Look at everybody's. The only person that can make marriage work is Paul Newman. And I've met me. I am no Paul Newman. I don't race cars. I don't make popcorn. None of my proceeds go to charity. But look, Chandler, right now, no one has a lower opinion of you than I do. Right. But I totally believe you can do this. 
I want to. I love her so much, but I'm afraid. <clears throat> this is too huge. You know, okay, you're right. It is huge. So why don't we take it just a little bit at a time? Okay, um, forget getting married for a sec. Just forget about it. Can you just come home and take a shower? Well, that's not scary, right? Depends on what you mean by we. <laughs> my lens. It's my lens. Um, you. I'll, I'll be right back. <laughs> I hit her in the eye. I hit her in the eye. This is the worst breakup in the history of the world. Oh, my God. Okay. How many of those have you had? Oh, I don't know. A million? Chandler, easy, easy. Go to, go to your happy place. La, 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 I'm fine, okay. I'm fine. All right. I'm not fine. Here she comes. She's coming. Right. Wait here, okay? What? Breathe. <laughs> How do you do that? I, it's like a gift. I think it's... We should always, always break up together. Oh, I'd like that. Hey everyone, before we get into the show, please check out our collaborator, Bubs Naturals. They sell a variety of health and wellness products, including collagen peptides, MCT oil powder, coffee, apple cider vinegar gummies, and other amazing products. Go to bubsnaturals.com and use our code DSP20 to get 20% off your entire order. And with that, let's get into the show. Hey, everybody, we back again. We back and we're live. Just as live as all the haters from Deion Sanders at the, at the University of Colorado with a big win this weekend. So this is going to come yeah. out a month later, but still. Still, though. Still. First win, and then he's going to be like one in five. Hey, <laughs> whatever. I just love how everyone loves to hate, and then he's... Um, sure. always fun to root uh, people going through adversity and changing things and doing it a different way. So, uh, way to go, coach. I'm really excited for yeah. those players. Yeah, he's creating a great culture for uh, his teammates. So, I like it. I like uh, it. It's a great thing for a lot of just black coaches and brown coaches in, in America yeah. Um, yeah. is that you don't have to do things a certain way and you can be different. And mm-hmm. players will flock to you. Another reason why we do this podcast. It's a different spectrum, different vibe. Um, as Kat said, we're being a little bit more authentic, real, funny, personable, flawed. <laughs> Deeply flawed. Um, so and I think that brings some normalcy to this mental health stuff. Uh, and there's a lot of folks mm-hmm. that are doing that work. Uh, Dion happens to be one of them. So wow. let's get to the show. Way to bring it back to us. I did. And that you really, really circled around that, didn't you? Good for you. That's how he does it. He's like, (laughs) All right. So, before we get into the show, uh, like I said, we have a very special guest today. Um, Kat, could you please explain a little bit about you and how you came about the show? 
Sure. So I am Catherine. Um, I am a licensed marriage and family therapist. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been working in the field for roughly five years already. Um, I am the assistant clinical director and lead marriage family therapist at a private practice lovingly known as Puzzle Peace Counseling. Um, We're located in Northeast Florida. And while I work with folks on most walks of life, um, my niche or my happy place is working with uh, people on the autism spectrum and their families um, and just broad neurodiversity as well. And I like to dabble in a couple of different things um, for kicks and giggles. I am a Gottman certified couples therapist, even though I have a love-hate relationship with couples. Um, and I'm a certified clinical trauma professional. Uh, grief is my jam. And I also have interest in OCD, anxiety, um, and trauma. And then just for kicks and giggles, I also wrote a therapeutic children's book uh, about a year ago based on a true story about a therapy dog named Addie. And it explores resiliency and the power of friendship. And it's called The Tale of a Trio. Okay. The Tale of a Trio. Yeah. I stumbled on this uh, podcast, though, just because I love what you guys do and what you guys stand for. And, I mean, your podcast just brings me so much joy. Okay. So I feel like your book, what's the book about? Is it like, this is why mom and dad hate each other? That's version two. That's coming. Um, No. So this one is um, actually based on a true story. One of my colleagues um, had this delightful black lad named Addie, and she joined her in all of her therapy sessions um and one day my colleague told me about um Addie and their two neighbor dogs and uh in the book they're Rue and B and Addie helped B um heal her anxiety because she used to get all kinds of anxiety whenever thunderstorms came and Mm -hmm. Addie would go sit with her under the bed and like whimper at her like she was actually like talking her through it and then um, Rue, uh, they found on the side of the road one day, and Rue did not know how to play. So Addie actually taught her how to play. And so my book really showcases how to hold space for folks and how to not judge a book by its cover, metaphorically. Um, and that relationships take a lot of nurture, and there's worthiness and all kinds of folks, no matter what their backgrounds are. Different ways to support. You can teach it, not always inherent. You might fail at mm-hmm. some stuff. If you could, you, you had the book with you, you said, right? You. If you put it close to your person, you'll actually be able to see it because the thing, yeah, there it is. Yeah. Oh, you got the dogs. Yeah, there we go. yeah you got to hold it right yeah. there. You're good. Yep. Just cover your face. Yep. Yeah. Pretty much just. Cover. Just the dogs. <laughs> just the dogs. We don't want to see the is. cover anyways. We just want to see the We're dogs. Good. That's pretty cool, Thank man. You. Thanks. And where it's on folks- Amazon. There we go. It's on Amazon. Go on Amazon, folks. Go on Amazon. Okay. The Tale of a Trio. T-A-I-L. Tale. Oh, and I also have a um, website, catthecounselor.com. Uh, and I have a bunch of therapeutic worksheets that I utilize within my practice. And I have a bunch of blog posts. I love writing. It brings me joy. Um, and I'm also just a written processor. So I okay. write out experiences on both sides of the therapist chair. Okay. Awesome. So 
How did your journey into being a therapist kind of start? What made you want to be a therapist? Mm-hmm. Great question. I think childhood. <laughs> no, um, I grew up as an only child, um, surrounded by a monotony of adults. And so I've always been kind of an observer. Um, I've always been really interested in just what makes people's brains tick, but also like the impacts of relationships um, within the ways that we construct our world. And so um, I also just really enjoy holding space for people and like being on with them on their journeys. Mm -hmm. Um, So when I graduated undergrad, I I did the psychology undergrad and then I was like, well, you can't do anything with this. So took a gap year, worked as a language therapist, really random. Um, But I was able to work alongside a lot of just professionals within kind of the mental health field. And I discovered like being a marriage and family therapist, I was going to be able to kind of walk a journey with people. And I just, that, that brings me so much fulfillment. Yeah. Yeah. So you said you kind of have like a rocky little relationship with like couples. What what did you mean by that? If you could, you know, give a little. Well, it's. She hate men. It's interesting because like when you bring couples into a therapy room, um, the couple, like the relationships, actually the client. Right. Um, but whenever couples come in to session originally, like the myth is, you know, they're going to look like they always want you to like take their side. Yep. Um, so it's difficult to kind of hold Merge. space for the relationship. Right. And have right. the couple identify that that's the identified patient not your asshole husband you know like so um that's yeah that's fair i mean he wouldn't have a guy he just got six other kids you know by seven other women you know, we all Damn, the math how the math work on that one <laughs> uh, it so, makes sense if you don't think about it, right. it yes, yes it does man. that's what he told his wife he's like just don't just don't think about it all right just just, they're there they're all great i don't people. see them but they're there i love everybody I'm, I'm 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 wife blind, like they say. I'm colorblind. Um, couples relationship therapy is so difficult. I actually quite enjoy it because it's uh, it makes my brain gears work, and I enjoy that because it's so different and it's such a interesting boxing match of counter punches and counter reacting. But it's tiring. It's very fun, but it's tiring. Since I only have to do a couple per year, it's not that bad. If I had to do a lot of it, you know, I'd probably be like, man, fuck this. <laughs> Just get divorced. <laughs> um, it's, it's funny with a lot of the people that will uh, come to me for couples therapy, you know, they'll work with another counselor and it'll be a, a white bodied individual. And they're like, well, you don't get the culture, right? We can't just get divorced that easily. Cause a lot of the couples will be international at, at our university. Um, Cause it's a big grad school. So they'll work with me and I'll listen, hear them out, listen to them. After a while, I'm like, you know, raising ain't had nothing to do with it. The other lady was right. Y'all need to break up. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, I think so. I'm like, I don't know why you had to hear it from me, but like, after all this stuff, this is bad. Um, maybe it just helps basically as well. So. <laughs> we process a little bit more maybe than just coming, confronting it right out front. Because I don't want to say that even though you know it right from the beginning, like, this is bad. Um, but you try to do the healing. Um, I've also been in those places where everyone wants you to take sides. It's, it's kind of weird. 
uh, and you're trying to look to see which one has the stuff, and if the other one's like getting ramrodded or boundaries pushed, and then mm-hmm. sometimes you'll see the one is just like severely clinically depressed, uh, and you know you can't really work on the marriage until that person gets help individually um, because that person That's is been, just. Right. That's been a really big obstacle too. Is just you know a couple presents itself, and it's like, well, I would love to do work on this relationship, but there has to be parts that are done first. Correct. There has to be some foundation first uh, to get us up to the speed to work on it. But you're right. Um, earlier, you said something. She was like, yeah, I'm just interested in you know the way minds work. I'm like, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about it. <laughs> you figure out how mind work, and then I, and then I take everything from you. It's mine. It, it's mine. I feel like a CEO. <laughs> You know, I figure out how the company works and I take it. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, on all seriousness, and then we can get into the show. Uh, I will see a lot of people say many different reasons on why they like getting into therapy, being a therapist. I mean, you know, be in- intrigued in people, love humans, uh, passionate about helping people, diverse populations, marginalized identities. A lot of folks will say exactly what you said, though. It is they identify that they like this mind stuff, the family dynamics and all that stuff. And they're like, what the hell do I do? And then they have to go to graduate school. Um, so a lot of us, you'll notice is folks that have stuff. A lot of us counselors, there's a reason why we're more passionate about helping and caregiving, uh, which could lead a lot of us counselors to some weird uh, transference things and just getting too much emotionally hurt from things or overreaching or overprotecting. Uh, but we all got like stiff. There's also some studies out there that show folks that have a little, little bit more trauma end up having a lot more empathy. Um, a lot of us, that's some of the thing, because we know how bad it feels to feel sad and depressed and all that, so we're more caring. And there's a gender gap. You see a lot more women in the profession uh, because they are trained systemically, societally, patriarchally to be the caregivers um, and the lovers and the, and the providers in that way, uh, where the dudes are doing other things or nothing. Um, so you don't see many dudes, don't see many brown dudes. It's always intriguing to hear why people pick psychology. For me, I fell into it, but it was interesting understanding how the mind worked. But mine probably was for other reasons, to understand how the family worked, and to maneuver things, and to get by with things, to manipulate my way into certain ways so that I wouldn't get all the toxicity from other people. Not to hurt people so I wouldn't get hurt. It was a self-protection preservation thing. I was like, ooh, I can use this. Okay. Superpowers. It's a superpower. As one of my mm-hmm. clients said, you're going to put that magic on me, ain't you, Nas? I'm like, if I had magic, you think I'd be talking to your dumb ass? <laughs> Just be real. You yeah. think I'd only, ch- you think I'd be working at the school where you don't even pay me? I'd be working at a private practice. <laughs> charging like $500. right now in the sky. In the sky, you yeah. don't even know me. And to kind of piggyback off of that, I think you know why I got into the field versus why I'm staying in the field. Mm-hmm. Um, I think look very different. I think Facts. especially just after the pandemic, mental health and just this profession really shifted quite a bit, or I've seen it yep. shift. And so, something that I just really enjoy about my work now is all the different perspectives that I get to bear witness to. 
um i'm very much a fan of saying no one's perspective is the right one like every it, it's all the right one like i we get so stuck arguing one versus the other um and so i just love the ways that just meeting with folks and getting within their worlds and having you know the privilege to sit within somebody's world privilege yes that that's very humbling and that's very just it continues to make me want to grow and make me want to be able to to provide that for others it's a cool thing isn't it right the privilege or the honor mm-hmm. that people can tell you these things that they've never told anyone and yet somehow they tell you mm-hmm. and they put their faith and trust in you uh, and then you have to make sure that you're doing what you have to do to make sure that you live up ethically, morally, uh, to bring your A game every day. And if you don't bring your A game every day, that's fine. But you better bring something because, you know, they need it. So you got to take care of yourself when you go home. But that's a whole different story. But yeah, it, it, it's a it's a cross to burden. But there's so many fun and good sessions that the other heavier, or harder ones, it balances. And if you're not balanced mm-hmm. it as a therapist, you need to start figuring out how to balance it. Mm-hmm. Your caseload, that is. Caseload. Um, well, I was going to ask a friends thing before we get into the scenes. So why, why'd you pick friends? Friends is my happy place. Um, I think, so I didn't actually discover friends until I was in like an undergrad in college. So really it's just been, I guess, like the last 10 years. And I think I've watched Friends every day for the last 10 years. Um, It's low-key an addiction. (laughs) Um, I think it's just because it's so, I mean, it it has complications, but it's also so, like, oddly comforting that, like, it shows off, like, enough humanness for you to be like, ah, okay, like, same. But also, um, it's so predictable. And my brain just really enjoys things that are predictable so it eats it up so spencer as we say detected anxiety disorder <laughs> oh they're gonna say something else <laughs> no i gotta build detected. up for a few- autism autism <laughs> autism <laughs> no that that's your happy place that could be for many different reasons it could be also you know adhd stuff and just helping you sh- close your mind out it could be anxiety stuff and helping you relax watch something soothing that's predictable that you know it's easy it's multiple different things. At the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. It's something that helps you function better daily. And we all have those shows. And I think it's good that I wanted to point that out because Friends is it for a lot of people. Uh, mine ebbs and flows between a few different shows, depending on where I'm at. Um, but New Girl tends to be my number one. Friends was it for oh, oh, back in the day. Um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Kim's Convenience was there. Yeah. Tacoma FD was there for a while, uh, but it always ends up coming back to New Girl. So, like, right now I'm on another New Girl kick. So, <laughs> it is what nice. it is. It is it what is. it is. Um, I'm glad that folks know that you do it because a lot of my students do it that are neurodivergent. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, does this make me weird? Like, no, man, we all do this shit. It's fine. I think there was a study out, um, you know, don't quote me, but they did a study on how, like, friends impacts the brain. And, like, there was, like, most it like actually reduces anxiety um there you go something magical about it there you go magic all right so with that let's get into the scenes so friends i'm not i'm not it's six friends and they go through stuff 
there you go yeah. uh bunch of there's a bunch of stuff in there um but the first scene <laughs> first scene that we see is uh phoebe uh so phoebe she actually her mom um took her own life right and and then uh her dad uh her biological father left and um uh, so phoebe grew up on the streets uh homeless and um Ever since then, she's just kind of had like, like a very positive but yet whimsical kind of attitude too, um, which is cool to see, especially from somebody who um, has been through so much. But like we said before, Nas said before, um, more trauma. Probably you probably will have like a little bit more empathy. Um, and so one day she finds this stray cat and she has this connection with this cat and she thinks that uh it is her mother reincarnated <laughs> yes yes um and in the yeah you should show freddie of all of all the characters in the plushies that you have you show the one that will go into your dreams and murder you. <laughs> what the hell is that? Yep, there you go. But he has Plot a smile twist. on his face, so it's fine. <laughs> there you go. Um, and then in the scene, uh, while all the other friends kind of just kind of let her go through what she's going through, Ross kind of takes it upon himself to tell her, like, hey, it's just a cat. It's owned by somebody else. You have to give the cat away um and then phoebe kind of just explains like hey i've lost i lost all both my parents and you know i maybe this is what i have to go through right now to get through um missing my my mom so it's a very very adult themed right there you oh, know yeah. very powerful uh so cat the first question I have for you is, uh, were they on a break? Oh, God, we're starting there. That's right. The real questions. <laughs> is there like a wrong answer? Like if I choose wrong, yes, like no. booted right no. off? No, right. there's no wrong answer. What's your opinion? I just want to get the first opinion. You know, since you are such a Friends fan, this has been a Friends question for the ages friendemic right? and, and you know i really sure. i it depends again it depends our favorite phrase within um therapy i get so many eye rolls um it really depends on the perspective that you're coming from and so oh uh, so like you know through rachel's lens or like you know kind of like that shared like i guess woman's lens i don't think it was an official break it wasn't and like how do you define a break is it like you know we're on a break for tonight or like i just need a break for like a few hours like what does that mean and then i think ross's emotions really got ahead of him um hearing that phone call i think because God, that one dude was over mark you know, he could hear Mark in the background. So he just assumed without actually like utilizing good communication styles to be like, yo, what is he doing there? So I think uh, there's a lot of assumptions within that vortex of are we on a break or not? 
Right. So I, real quick question before we get into back to the Phoebe scene. As a family therapist and a marriage therapist, how would you attack that? How would you attack this whole situation? Oof. I mean, we would really just explore like Rachel perceives an affair. Yep. As you know, Ross, I think throughout the show also struggles with accountability. Um, so you know, really also exploring like how does accountability come into your relationship and how would you like it to move forward in your relationship? Because I think throughout the show, they both still want to be in a relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, but then also kind of working on that forgiveness piece of, you know, will we be able to repair? Will we be able to move forward? So, and like, that's kind of how I work with couples as well as, you know, when there has been a betrayal, when there has been an affair, it's very much like there was this injury and really helping Ross sit with the fact that there was a very big injury for Rachel and then seeing if both can mold their understanding and empathy and validation of each other's experience and moving forward. Thanks. Look at see if see if there's any love or empathy or caring still there, which there is. And then kind of building back around that I would do. It would be but, amazing to see both of them just like sit with each other's hurt for a minute and then see what happens. Like see I'm always what happens. Been like oh. <laughs> a lot of yeah. people can't do that. Um yeah. as we have seen <laughs> Everyone gets super defensive and and angry yeah. and yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 All right. So um getting back to the scenes. So one thing I will say is that for a lot of these scenes, the main person, or at least one of the main people in the show uh that you use for the clips are Phoebe. Um I would love to know like why do you kind of pick Phoebe um for your clips and do you kind of feel like a little bit more of an attachment to her character or do you just like who she is? I adore Phoebe. Um I really admire Phoebe. Mm-hmm. She's one that I like just very much respect, which is interesting. Like if you go like on social media or online, Phoebe's actually attacked pretty often. Like people get really annoyed. Um, but I just, I love kind of like the diversity that she brings to the show. I love how robust and just, you know, blatant she is about where she stands and what she thinks. Um, I think that's also just my enjoyment of just the population that I work with. Um, I love neurodiversity because it's just, it's so authentic and it's so real and it's like there's such a bravery in being just true to yourself and human and leaning into that and there's so much of the world that like shuts that part off of ourselves like we're not allowed to be human which is i think the most hypocritical thing of our our world right um and phoebe very much just leans into it um but also just like the trauma that she has experienced and the ways that nobody really holds space for her, it's always just kind of laughed off. And I think that's just the flavor of the show. Yep. Um, she's really built up her own safe spaces, whether that be leaning into whimsy, you know, she's very much expresses herself through music and she doesn't really let anybody, any judgments of her music get to her. It's not like she like changes her music because people are like, like Rachel, I think literally told her one time, like, you're terrible. Yeah, it's um, bad. she was like, thank you. Like she like 
I love the bold and like just brings in ways that she just embraces herself. Um, and I think too, I, if people could actually pause for a second and like lean into their own stuff, I think a lot of people could actually admire her too. But I think sometimes the ways that she like embodies herself is almost a threat because people are like, oh, I can't do that. She's cringe. That yeah, she's cringe for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. She's she's also this most spectrumy character on the cast. Uh, mm -hmm. She's right autistic coded for sure. But one could also say that's just the trauma that she goes through and then all the defense mechanisms. Mm -hmm. One could say it's just personality disorders. So I saw that you wrote something in there about personality disorders and people think that she's schizotypal. Yes. Yeah, there's a lot of like threads um, out there that they think she's delusional, um, which, you know, I have so much empathy for because I just, I don't see that. And schizo, you know, schizotypal personality disorder very much doesn't, crave close relationships um whereas i do i see phoebe craving those and i think her attachment style gets in the way of that and mm -hmm. you know we can talk about that a little bit but you know she she has this quest throughout the show to like find family and you know she's pursuing that True. she is very close to joey like it showcases their close relationship in particular um and just the ways that you know, she has this attachment to David and then to Mike. So I think relationships for her are complicated, but I, I don't see the personality disorder. I think women get personalities, women get personality disorders slapped on them pretty quickly in America. Uh, big issue, uh, big issue, uh, especially with those that are neurodivergent, big issue. They'll get slapped with some, a bunch of personality disorders. I'm like, this person's anxious, probably OCD, right? Or some trauma in the background. Or this person's hella on the spectrum. Spence, I shit you not. And I know they ain't gonna yeah. listen to this because it's gonna be a month later anyways. I'm at work. We're handing out tabling, doing an event. Awesome event, suicide prevention. It's wonderful. They come yeah. up to me, hey, Nas, need you to come over here. I said, what's up? I said, this boy's over here bothering people. And uh, the staff, and he keeps asking questions, but he's not responding to anything that the women are saying. We think that, you know, he don't respond to women or like maybe he's, you know, misogynist or something. I say, okay, we need you to come say something. Big guy, right? You maybe can get him away. So I go over there, I go to talk to him. Within like two seconds, I'm like, so this kid's hell out on the spectrum. Mm. Like, he ain't shut up. He's showing me random ass memes and shit, right? I mean, he's out in, in no man's land. But mm -hmm. he's talking, it was the funniest shit. Because he goes, physics class, open book, step one, step two, hit head on book, step three, cry a lot, step four, do homework. And he repeated it like five times. I'm like, so what's yeah. part of this scream misogynist? Right. Yeah. I'm like, you didn't think autism at all. So y'all got PhDs. And no one was like, spectrum. Uh, so it was interesting, right, on how I was able to coax him out and then get him moved on to the next thing. There's a lot of yeah. like negative things that we put on people, and I feel like Phoebe is one of them. Um, mm -hmm. Different lens to see different people. She's very quirky and bubbly, but also does have a lot of pain, a lot of trauma. You know, you, you what do you do when you have a lot of trauma and a lot of people that have left you? You kind of, you know, keep people a little bit at bay mm -hmm. and allow the really, really safe ones over a long period of time to then come in. Uh, I mean, she's doing what she needs to do to protect herself. But yeah, women mm -hmm. get put on a lot of different things, and I think a lot of therapists miss a lot of different things too. 
because they have a different lens, right? You said perspectives. A lot of therapists are coming from different perspectives. Some older therapists, older doctors will just be like personality disorder. I'm like, come on, man. You Jesus Christ. Uh, and it, it blows my mind because I really enjoy working with young adults. Um, and I run across so many just young adult women who have been diagnosed with everything in the book. And then by the time they're 23, 24, 25, they're like, oh, I'm autistic. Like, yep. Thank you, somebody, for actually, you know, helping me discover this. Mm-hmm. They won't do so it. They won't. They won't diagnose you unless you eat Legos. Yes. Uh, they won't do it. So Phoebe, as Spence was saying, you picked this character, right? This is the character you really enjoy and like. Misunderstood, but specifically, I'm going to pivot back from Spence now. Um, yes. This scene. Why'd you pick? Why'd you pick this scene? Because I think it sheds light on something that so many people miss. Um, it's never the kitchen sink, right? And so that's the kind of the phrase that I utilize within, right? Mm. Um, within couples therapy, it's they're arguing about about the kitchen sink. Nobody's like either they've left dishes in there, or they're not doing it. But it things are never about what they appear. And I yeah. think Ross is such like a showcase of how like society kind of just views people processing something. And so right now Phoebe has just discovered this like life altering secret that her known mother is actually not her biological mother. Like she had just discovered her biological mother. She had just, just discovered somebody who's familial, but it's also like a betrayal because you know, they've never, appeared in life and so she's trying to process this this is a huge chunk of information and she's utilizing a cat you know it metaphorically it is so much easier to process something when we compartmentalize it an object and, yep. and so she's verbally processing and it verbally processing in a way that's not harming anybody maybe julio's original cat owner but like in, in the grand scheme of things she's processing in I think a very open and brave and honest way, but Ross is so focused on it's a cat. It's a cat. It's a cat. It's like, you're missing the big picture. And so many times we miss, we, we get distracted by the trees and we can't see the whole forest or whatever that saying is. Mm -hmm. And so I, again, admire Phoebe's just bold way of communicating and being like, Hey, hold space for me for a second. And just because you don't get it. So what? Just be a friend. And so in that particular scene, like, I just, I love that. Like the therapist in me is like, yes. I think I see, uh, let, let, let's go with her being one of my clients that's on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of derogatory, derogatory connotations with folks like her, right? The stupid, gullible, mm-hmm. naive, magical. Mm-hmm delusional mm-hmm. and uh so you see him being condescending that's what he's doing i know what's going on this mm-hmm. is what you need to do and she's mm-hmm. like well fuck you man i know that this ain't my mom but let you have you ever dealt with anything deep your entire life little privileged little punk and then she's like okay let me yeah i was gonna say some other shit um yeah that's what i came to let's say some bad words um 
And then she holds it, holds space within her. She, she, she pulls back, you know? She shows some, uh, what's the shit I, that I don't have? Um, restraint. Restraint. <laughs> right? It's when I, when I was eating that dry ass sandwich earlier and I was choking on it. Oh, I didn't have no restraint. I just kept eating it. <laughs> Be careful first, with those sandwiches. First, first food sandwich is going to be the death. I'm telling you. And uh, she shows restraint, and then she like literally said, obviously, I know this jackass, but let's just go with it for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, this is the way I'm grieving and working through it. I feel like that happens a lot with my clients. People will say this, 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 and this, and then my client's like, I know that, man. Just It's fine. Let me do this. I'll get to it. It's like when people tell you, it only furthers makes certain people more stubborn. Even me, when people to tell you to do something and you were just getting ready to do it, but since you told me to do it, now I don't want to fucking do it. Yeah. But there's that very dis, uh, condescending tone that Ross, I don't like Ross. I don't like Ross. To, no one likes Ross. No yeah, one he, really does. Yeah. No. Okay, good. Yeah, he's, he's not a favorite character. No. Yeah. Hey, I don't, I don't fuck with Ross. Um, so. That's what I saw. I saw someone being kind of bullied and picked on instead of being empathetic and patient. Now, the question is, how much time do you have to be patient? But my question is, is why is it up to him to set the time for her Uh, as a therapist? Why is it up to us to set the time for the person on grief? Right. You know, I got I got family members that are going through prolonged grief disorder. Right. Because they updated the DSM. Right. It's been years and years and years. And. And I was talking about grief the other day, and someone said, because I got a client going through some bad grief right now, and I said, when we get done with that, because it's a short-term counseling, when we, and then the, the director goes, are you ever really done grieving? And I was like, well, yeah, but you know what I mean. Like, like when you don't feel like dying because this parent died, well, then we can move on. He's like, okay. He's like, I know what you meant now. I was just teasing you. But Ross is like other people. Hurry up now. <laughs> But you can't do that. Even with my brother, even when you tell him to hurry up and move, 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 hand me this fast, it makes him go even slower. Mm. He's not budging off his timeline. And I find that with a lot of my clients. Go ahead. It's it's just so dehumanizing. It's and it's removing yourself from the human inside of you. Like Ross is not functioning from a place of, you know, I'm a human sharing in this experience with you. It's you know, I, I'm judging you for having an emotional tie. Like, so what? So what? How does this emotional tie impact you, really? You know, Nas, you know, she got to hurry up and go to work and do this, and she's playing games and having fun doing this stupid shit, and, she, you know, she's messing up my stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, it's really not. It, it it's really not um this has nothing to do with you and why are you making about you why do you have to be the person to set her correct uh and i say this but Catherine, you brought this up earlier is a lot of us therapists act like we're all knowing especially on social media it's quite terrible um but i've even done this with some clients uh or some kids that i mentor i'll be like this is what you need to do and they're like i know nas you don't need to tell me well i'm just making sure you know and then they're like, well, now I just feel sad. And I'm like, damn, I fucked up. Because I should have just supported. The mentorship role is a, a different than the therapeutic role. Uh, the mentorship role needs to usually be a little bit more supportive. Therapeutic role, you can like push a little bit. 
um, because they're looking for maybe some answers or solutions. So I found the mentorship role needs to be uh, way more supportive, way more patient. Mm -hmm. Yes, different roles. I'm slowly finding out at 34 now that they're vastly different. We still have to learn stuff. Ugh. Yep. I learn nothing. I don't want to. Yeah. 28 years old. I ain't for learning. I'm all about me. His girlfriend's going to watch this. Be like, yep. That's right. <laughs> he doesn't learn a damn thing. He real stupid. <laughs> he dumb as hell. Yeah. It's to the left. I don't know why that came in my head. Oh my uh, <laughs> um, I think it's a good scene, uh, which parlays into the next scene. Yeah. Uh, so in this scene, uh, Phoebe and, uh, Ross go to Chandler's business, uh, because he is, he's hiding, he's hiding. Um, he doesn't want to, he wants to get married, but he's, he's going through a little bit of trouble, um, kind of accepting that, you know, he's actually going to get married and somebody actually loves him that much to do so. So, um, how do you kind of question for cat first what how do you kind of talk to somebody who just has so much self-doubt in themselves about being loved and um how do you kind of get them through that process of you know going through with something that in the end they know that they want to do but you know at the moment they're just kind of too scared to do exuding patience and giving grace a lot of time, folks who are, you know, and folks I've experienced this as well, it's it's that self-doubt. It's that, like, I, I want to do this so bad, but I'm so afraid of, of letting myself and others down. Mm -hmm. And so many people are quick to fix. Um, it's quick to be like, well, just do this. Just like what, you know, as you were talking about. But what I have found just most helpful, most powerful is just to hold space and be like, you know what? Tell me more about that. Like, let's sit in that space for a minute. Like, I'd love to know where, like, how you've come to this. Um, and really just leaving space for the narrative and leaving space for the story because it's so different when we're able to hear our own story. So many times we have a story circulating within our minds, but yep. it's disjointed. It's not necessarily out, but whenever we let it hit air, it takes some of the power away. Yep. And it helps us kind of shift our own perspective and empower us a little bit to be like, you know, but this is maybe what I want to do with it instead. And so then it's like, okay, you know, you want to do this. What are some ways to getting to that and not being like, what do you need to do? It's just like, you know, what are some ways? So it's approaching it from a kinder space because whenever we're being hard on ourselves, we are kicking the crap out of ourselves. We're not being kind. Yeah, totally. Spence, I uh, I had a human the other day. Man, I might have talked about it before. They was they was crying so bad, so hard, it was intense. Mm -hmm. I had looked away at the computer because I knew I was going to tap into my emotions when I said this. I said, "Hey, I need you to do a favor." And they look at me. And they said, "What?" I said, "I need you to, I need you to tell some something to my friend." Said, what the fuck are you talking about, your friend? I said, "I need you to tell something to my friend." I said, "My friend's sitting in his chair right now." And people, someone's saying nasty shit to her. 
I need I need you to tell my friend to stand up for herself and then to tell that person to stop saying them nasty things. She goes, who the hell are you talking about? I said, you're my friend, jackass. I love that. And I said, I need you to stop because you would never allow anyone to talk to your friend like that. Mm-hmm. You would never allow someone to talk to your best friend or, or your husband like that. And right. And so the ways you're talking to yourself is so inappropriate that you would never allow anyone else to do it to anyone else, but you do it to yourself. I get it. We all do it. I get it. I'm not shaming you, but you need to slow down. Mm-hmm. And I said, you're going to talk to your daughter like that? I would never talk to my daughter like that. So why are you talking to yourself? What's different, my daughter? I got to show her love. So you show her love, but you don't show yourself love? So then, uh, since that wasn't working, I tried the friend thing. And then, of course, she started, like, crying even more. Try not, try to be nice to my friend, please. Um, right, sometimes the therapist isn't supposed to put themselves in these type of roles. But, like, this was just an emotional moment between humans. I'm like, you just can't keep doing this, kid. Uh, use good people. I even said something else. Because she looked just like Colin's kid. I said, mm-hmm. my best friend. And I said, if she grows up to be just 50% of you, I said, I'll be happy as pigs and shit. Highly educated, awesome, resilient, friendly, still warm, good-looking kid, taking care of yourself, married. I said, you, I hope she ends up being like you. And she's like, what? Yeah, kid, you're pretty, you're pretty cool. Like, you, you, you did pretty good. Um, I just wanted to coincide some of the stuff you were saying. Sometimes you need to hold space. Sometimes you need to validate. Sometimes you need to be real and open up a little bit. Sometimes you need to let them know who they are. And I think I would do that with him, Chandler. Like, where's this coming from, man? Why are you acting like this? So we would first make sure he doesn't fully destabilize and slowly process where all the insecurities are coming from. And then I need to get him to talk to his wife to have an open conversation because that's the shit that's killing them. But before we did that, we would put it all on paper, get it out of his head. See if that helped. Most likely he's using substances because Chandler uh, is Chandler. And the real life actor, what's the real life actor's name? Perry. Matthew Perry. Yep. Substance use issues his entire career. Um, so he plays the role really well. So we would try and document some of that stuff and get it out there. Um, so right, we're back to autism. A lot of folks on the spectrum are very insecure about a lot of different things. Now, now some folks are extremely confident, completely ignorant. Um, but most folks are just scared. Uh, imposter syndrome. We're mimicking and role-playing certain things, and so we're not sure what our identities are. So it's just a lot of fear. And so when you finally right. get into a relationship and they say, I love you, or I really want to marry you, and we're like, this is a trap. You lying. <laughs> you, you lying through your teeth. You want my social security number, don't you, motherfucker? <laughs> I know what you're about to do with my social security number. <laughs> yep. So many credit cards. Got you, motherfucker. I'm illegal anyways. <laughs> oh, my God. And I think, like, the culture just around autism is so... Hey, are you a nerd? Do you like pins? If you're like any of our followers and you said yes, you should check out our collaboration with Pinfinity. They have Power Rangers pins. Transformers pins. And for all of our bronies out there, My Little Pony pins. Go check out our link tree or use our code PSP to get 20% off your Pinfinity order today. Awful. I mean, it, yeah. 
and just like some of like the themes that like I've seen just, you know, with, and I'm again, I'm not speaking from experience, so please correct me. Um, but it's very much like when you're like a small child, you're thrown into ABA, you're thrown into all these other therapies and all these therapies are like, Hey, you're not fitting in the box. You're wrong. You're bad. You're not enough. Like these are like the underlying like themes. So like whenever you grow up, get older, it, your identity and just like the way that you see yourself, it's not safe. Like Very you're not allowed to like embrace yourself. Everything is invalidated. This is a tricky one that I found out. This one, the, one the oxymorons. I don't even know if I'm using that right. But sometimes when you validate people that already have like deep insecurities and all that, they hate themselves. Right, Chandler, you're like, you know, give them space, time, let's process some things, but don't go right into validation and positivity. Because then they believe they suck. So you say, hey, I don't suck. So what that does is further invalidate their feelings that they suck. And so they can't even trust. I'm telling them to trust themselves. But I'm telling them that they're good. They think that they're bad. So it inval right? they're getting invalidated by me, even though I'm trying to inject positivity. So it's this fine line of boosting them up slowly without invalidating them and going with those sad feelings, processing them, and then laying down some of those good vibes like I did at the end or you don't go hot and heavy with the good stuff uh, then they're going to feel like it's all bullshit most likely anytime you gas anyone up they think it's bullshit anyways no one has the ability literally no one has the ability mm-hmm. to take any compliment and internalize it not a thing mm-hmm. i'm like you did really good on that <laughs> like why do you lie to me so much i'm like oh, f- oh fuck you man just take the compliment jesus funny thing story time this completely divergent um we're a neurodivergent podcast so you know well this was an odd social time for me uh so i'm at this outing thing with the nurses and one of them is like quite awesome quite lovely um love talking to her goofy weird um and i go later on i said i like your eyebrows they're very nice Hmm. she goes what yes your eyebrows are very symmetrical i enjoy them She's like, literally no one has ever complimented my eyebrows in my entire life. I'm like, well, obviously you have them threaded. Mm. So yes. Did you also notice that my leg was shorter than the other one? I said, why would I notice that your other leg is shorter? I'm like um, staring at your feet right now. I don't. I know. I, <laughs> I said, now I can see it with you little waddling around. There you go. That's um, how you do it. Take them down a peg. And then the other Already nurse, shorter than their other legs. <laughs> just kick out their little, their little nub. <laughs> There it is. Now I see it. And the other nurse goes, right, Nas, you need to teach your husband on how to talk like that and recognize things. We need to teach more men that. I said, I'm just really good at noticing random specific things. Um, And she brightened her day. And I said, my father, I always used to do this. I would say that I noticed something and then I would just walk away. Go, you have new shoes. Walk away. My father's like, why don't you tell people they're nice or they're pretty? Or like the thing is cute or whatever, the outfit, the haircut or whatever. I'd be like, oh, you got a haircut. They'd be like, yeah, it looks really good, doesn't it? It's new. And they'd be like, bye. Maybe slightly off-putting. Slightly. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I I started complimenting people and then it was just funny. It went super (laughs) weird. Because she's never got a compliment or affirmation before about that, which I thought was weird. Maybe it's a, a a racial thing. Not her being racist. I mean, 
maybe white folk don't compliment other white folk about eyebrows, but I know in the in the black and brown community we do. Oh yeah, like my girlfriend loves my eyebrows. She's like, "Oh my gosh, babe, I love your eyebrows." I'm like, "Thank you." It's a thing. I mean, we're. I mean, right? What what Latina you don't know? It's not fixing eyebrows or or Latin Latinx man. It's true. Um, and black folk, they're all, I mean, everyone's getting their stuff threaded and fixed. I don't know. I just thought it was very interesting that I brought it up and then they couldn't, uh, and it was hilarious. Ended up smiling greatly and then I made it super awkward. Of course you did. Uh, and all I mean, the nurses were cracking. Way. Like, <laughs> funny and weird. Yeah. Cause I could see all the other nurses be like, you like my eyebrows? I'm like, no, I should look terrible. No. <laughs> yeah. You look-, look like. <laughs> Two bushes that haven't been trimmed in years. You look like the guy, the something Levy, the dad from Shit's Eugene Creek. Levy. <laughs> the caterpillars. God damn. They bro. have big eyebrows. That dude's eyebrows are big. Sick. I actually kind of like him. I just want to like rub my hand through him. I think he probably gets that a lot. I'm going to say. Yeah. If one of them fucking starts. What you do moving, next time? Just walk up and start petting them. Oh, you know, I did that my old job. I don't work there no more. <laughs> they fired me, I guess. Inappropriate, but I can't go within the hundred yards of school. Oh my god! Complete jokes. Complete, complete jokes. People. Yeah, C is not banned from schools that we know of. <laughs> they start googling Nas in Minnesota. <laughs> like, uh oh. <laughs> Um, all right. Sorry about the side tangent. Uh, I think it's acceptable to compliment people on things and to, if you notice something quite wonderful and it's not going to come off weird or creepy, right? It's in a group setting, right? I already did the analytics. It was fine. Um, she just wasn't used to affirmations. Uh, and then you could tell, uh, there you go. but it was quite a wonderful moment. Okay. So back to the scene. Thanks. Uh, does he, does he go home right away or no? Chandler, does he go home right after that scene? Yeah, I think so. Probably, yeah. So Ross says, this is the most therapistic thing I've ever heard. I don't know if you saw this cat. Let's just go home. Let's just, let, let's just take a shower. Mm-hmm. Get, yeah. Let's just let's do a little baby stuff. Let's just get you in the house, take a little shower. And and then he goes, what do you mean we? <laughs> Default to humor. <laughs> yeah, correct. He always does, right? Isn't that a thing with him? Yes. Yeah, that is a Chandler Bing personality trait right there. Emotion? Yikes. I'm going to use humor instead. Thanks. So, Kat, who are the type of people, personalities that use humor as a default? Or explain the explain that thing, that phenomenon. Well, I mean, it's people who are hurting. Um, How dare more you? More or less. I'm so sorry. Fuck um, you. <laughs> Nobody's hurting on this show. (laughs) You don't know shit. You know, humor doesn't always default to hurting, but more or less, it it removes us from feeling something. You know, it's it's that barrier. Um, You know, some folks legalize anger. Some folks legalize, you know, uh, escapism, and other people utilize humor. And so, you know, Chandler's defaulting to humor where that's the only safe part of his identity that he maybe doesn't hate. Um, I mean, within Ooh. all of, like, the episodes, I know there was one where, like, he was in Oklahoma while Monica was home, and she made a comment, like, he's the funniest guy ever, like, a coworker that she works with, and, and like, completely just derailed his whole sense of identity. He had to fly home. Remember that. And 
just very again like that i think so i think humor is the only safe part for him i mean that's one of my foundational pieces if not for that i'm not sure how much people would like me I would be such a douche. It wouldn't even be funny. Like, wow. I would be such a douche. I'd just oh. be quiet. I'd just be quiet. That too. Yeah. Would not say a thing. Would not have the confidence to say anything. Podcast would be really different. It'd be yeah. very quiet. Yeah. Crickets. Crickets. <laughs> Next topic. Um, and I think things have changed because now I just laugh at stuff in my own head. So it's not even about running from emotions. But before it definitely was. Before the the for me the jokesters was is de-escalating the environment and making sure that I control people's emotions so that way they don't get elevated and that they're enjoying themselves. So it's a defense mechanism, not specifically for me, but to make sure that things are safe in the environment. Mm -hmm. And so we all do it for different reasons. But if you find yourself joke, 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 something's going on. Why can't we be real? I was talking to a different nurse. Um, at the school, and I said, "Hey, man," and I said, "You know, FYI, you know, I'm on a spectrum, this and that, right?" And then we talk. I said, "You good? You gotta stop acting weird." And she, goes, "What are you talking about?" And I said, "This, this joke stuff. Well, you're coming at me weird, man. Make me feel bad." Oh, I'm sorry. I said, "Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're making me think like HR is gonna come get me or something." I said, "I brought up something about, you know, the teddy bear was facing the wrong way in the door." And she said, "Oh, I don't know how to do my job now." I said, "Come on, man. You need to stop with that shit." Uh, she said I'm sorry just everyone else is jokes 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 here and I said I love making jokes and also when it's just us we can just be normal and chill and like be actual humans she was like that's awesome I said yeah please because that other stuff I was like burned out already um, and I love jokes Spence but it was like weird like, oh, you, I don't yeah. know how to do my job I'm like we, 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 I know you're joking but we getting into some weird shit um, right. but you're making it don't seem you love like the jokes that are like not jokes it's like it could be taken like, away if someone sarcasm, else hears it. Or am I just an asshole? I don't I know. know. And I can. It was quite lovely. I'm like, we can just be normal. It's fine. She, and her yeah. whole facial just changed. And I could see her mm -hmm. actually being real instead yeah. of this thing that she thought that she needed to be around me and maybe a few other coworkers. That was mm -hmm. cool. Uh, I'm not sure why she was doing that, um, but it felt awkward. Uh, bad, but defense mechanisms, Chandler. There's so I feel like there's so many characters that do that. Like in Brooklyn Nine Nine, the Adam Sand burglar, burglar, bur. Sam burglar, Samberg, Samberg, Samberg. Yeah, he's always a jokester too. There's so many folks that are Peralta. jokesters. Yeah, yeah, Peralta that are. Yeah, I would say somewhat hurting, but there's a reason why they're like that. Mm -hmm. She goes, they're hurting. Well, fuck you. Karen, <laughs> Karen, Karen. Go take a shower with my best friend now. It's my safe place. Thank God I'm not your best friend. Oh, <laughs> Colin, you're up. That's you're a up, big old, That's a big Time old to tush. How are we gonna get that tush in here? Oh my God! I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh no. Next scene. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, let's just move on from that. I hope he watches this. I really do. 
if not him it's gonna be heather be like i knew it i knew it <laughs> heather is his colin's wife <laughs> and so uh she's definitely gonna watch this and be like i knew there was something there my mom thinking about it my mom after like two months of being good friends in high school she's like y'all are gay aren't you i'm like calm down mom calm down i said it exactly <laughs> like that and she doubled down right away fuckers feel like no dudes can be friends with like no dudes can have real friendships without being judged somehow you end up having a you have to sleep with them when it doesn't matter if it's women or men you're like oh you're sleeping with them aren't you you know what just because i want to shower with him naked doesn't mean i'm gay mom all right <laughs> 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 that's a little game <laughs> well oh sorry my bad uh some whoops yeah, uh, sorry don't have a, uh, <laughs> i can't wait till my father watches this one <laughs> he's gonna hear it like i knew it he's like ah he, he watched the show <laughs> he's gonna change the locks <laughs> Uh. <laughs> all right moving on to the next scene um stop it uh so actually kind of still going on to the chandler bing route um this is actually a part where he is uh breaking up with his girlfriend janice and uh he's having second thoughts even though he absolutely hates, hates her, her. Yeah. hates her um but he's having second thoughts now and being like i'm sorry i didn't want to break up now come on let's be together and then um he's kind of going through it and it's getting hard for him to actually break up with her um but then he then phoebe actually talks to janice and uh janice is okay with the breakup now and so we see that um Phoebe doesn't have the attachment to um, the relationship, and she's a actually able to kind of talk to Janice about just briefly about you know maybe this is the best. Maybe you should, maybe you should break up, and um, and now Phoebe will be breaking up with all of Chandler Chandler Bing's uh, girlfriends. So win win there. Um, so have you ever met anybody that's it, really had a hard time actually you i already know you've had so that's not the question i'm going to ask um the question i'm going to ask is how do you how do you kind of guide them through a breakup if they kind of need to now that might be a little bit of an ethical thing maybe maybe um but how do you kind of get them to kind of go through, you know, breaking up with somebody if it's not a relationship that you know that is not good for them. So, cat. That's like one of the hard parts um, of this job is that we can't really tell people what to do. I mean, right. and I love, I love the question too. What do you think I should do? It's mm -hmm. like, like, you know, I, I can't tell you what to do. Um, that wouldn't be therapeutic. That would just be BB your buddy. Um, and so, or enabling, right? Exactly. Um, it wouldn't be very therapeutic. So, mm -hmm. it's you know, hopefully at this point, like I've gathered some background information. I'd see, you know, where the anxiety is coming from. Um, and terminating relationships can very much trigger a lot of 
childhood stuff from what I have found. And so Hmm. leaving a relationship, it can, it can very much bring up that attachment style, right? So like if we're having a, a, you know, a secure attachment, it's, yeah, this is hard, but I'm able to do this because I see that I need to move on X, Y, and Z. But like, you know, if in this case, Chandler's very disorganized attachment, meaning just for him, his parental figures growing up were very just not there for him, borderline neglectful, um, triangulated him into some really toxic stuff growing up. So relationships have never really been safe, but they've also haven't been safe enough to leave. Mm. Um, And so here he's really struggling between, am I worth being happy? And is it worth the the discomfort of somebody being upset? Um, So there's like a lot of worthiness on where i mean you literally see him like withering on the couch like he it's like physio- physiologically discomfort uncomfortable so uh, wrapping back around to like how i would support somebody through that you know i'd want to check in with what are your needs um and what are the positive needs here and so so many times we talk about what we don't need but i really would like to be curious about like what you do need and are those needs worth it and also kind of asking you know, how can I best support you? So I would love to hear kind of from the other person's perspective, like what they're really craving from the circumstance. Um, Cause I mean, I've had clients who like literally are like, Hey, so I want to break up with my boyfriend. Can we do it in your office? And I'm like, Oh Lord. Um, <laughs> Let me get my popcorn. <laughs> hold up. Exactly. Hold on. <laughs> but um, the exiting relationship seems to be such a tumultuous time. And it, or not. And so we also see like, I love this scene because we see the flip side where, you know, Phoebe is a very avoidant attachment. Um, her caretakers really just were not present in her life. And so she just doesn't really rely on anybody. She has kind of neutral relationships. Um, and so she's very much able to detach from them because she wasn't really attached to them in the first place. And so you kind of see both attachment styles where like, you know, Chandler's grappling with his self-image and just his identity. You're trying to break up with Janice, who he literally just cannot stand. And Phoebe's like, oh, I'll do it. I don't care. Hmm. And she attempts to regulate him a little bit. Go to your happy place. Like, let's take a pause before we have to do this. Like, let's ground ourselves really quick. Um, you know, that would be an approach I would utilize too. Of let's pause this really quick. This isn't something that you need to do in this very second. Breather. Huh. It's interesting. I was, I wondered this about myself, and I, I know why it's easier for me to detach from people, and why I'm not necessarily too attached to anyone. Very, very, very strongly. So I get attached to a lot of people, emotionally connected, deep, right? All of that. But I'm also very autonomous and grew up very autonomous. And, but that's not the reason why it's easy for me to just move on or to cut people off. It's because I've moved so much. And mm-hmm. when you move and you move and you move and you move, you know that you lose people. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, because you lose people, you know, that's because you found someone. So with finding people almost guarantees that you will then lose someone by death, by moving, breakup, whatever it is. To me, I no longer like get worried about that. It's just a cycle of life to me. And so some people be like, man, it's cold and fucked up. I'm like, no, I, I already accept what you don't accept or know. 
because you've been privileged enough to be in the same context with the same humans for so long, you don't know what it is to lose. I've already went through the grieving, and thus now the grieving every time comes a little less to me. It comes a little less to me. Certain folks, it'll be harder. But for most folks, I'm like, eh, fine. So one of the counselors left a couple years ago. They got a new job. And she said, I'm going to come back and see y'all. And then as we got together, I said, you know you lied, right? That's me being very blunt. She said, what are you talking about? I said, you're never coming back. People don't do that. She said, well, I'm going to do that to prove you wrong. So okay. Mm. I'll take that money. They never came back. Life moves on. People, new life experiences, right? Just things keep going. And things fall by the side. I'm explaining these things just because some of us, like me, can get super attached. But it makes me feel weird as shit because I'm not as much pain when I unlatch or they unlatch. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, it's just part of the process. Spencer's talked about it, too, where you give someone, you know, like 90% of you, but not the full 100%. Because that way, if there is something... You don't want to be devastated and completely die and sobbing. You need to have some autonomy. You can't be fully dependent, which is a healthy way um, to go about some things. Uh, so that was just my tidbit. I wasn't looking for like therapizing. I just know that I'm different because of the traumas of moving so much. Hmm. Um, so, right? Those don't. Those aren't like happy times. You don't want to lose people, but I know that it happens. Yeah. With Phoebe, so you explained it well. Right, she got all this different stuff. She's just already avoiding, but she's also lost so much, like I have. So she just knows it's fine. Go away. Mm-hmm. I think people would think that she's cold, though. But how could you be cold and that articulate and charismatic in that moment? To where the other girl like hugs her and gives her goodbye, and then, so if you were cold, you wouldn't have ended like that. You wouldn't go fuck yourself. Get out of here. Mm-hmm. Instead, she's like caring. I wouldn't see an avoidant person probably do that. Right. Avoid. She might still have avoidant like personality disorder type issues, but she's not like super avoidant like of all attachments. Like you said, she's attached to so many people. And too, it's you know, if we're really just kind of looking at her through like an attachment lens. She had yeah. a grandma. Um, you know, her grandmother did okay. serve as that secure role. So perhaps, you know, we do have some avoidant flavors, but then there is that security there. Okay. So that makes her a little bit more healthy. Kind of like on mm-hmm. a, a new girl when, uh, when, when, when he's fixing the kitchen sink, because you talked about the sink. So he's fixing the kitchen sink and he's angry. He's like, you know how fucked up I am? And then later in the show, she goes, yeah, you know what? I understand you now. You should be a lot more fucked up than you are. You're actually not that bad. He's like, oh, thank you. That's a good compliment. Which was a lie because he is so fucked. So fucked up. So fucked up. I uh I I've told other clients that I say literally in a good way, like you should be so much more worse than what you are. Like from all the shit that you told me, like you should be like in the loony bin. Uh there's no way that you should even be existing and doing well in college. Sometimes that can be very validating knowing that, like, oh my God. It's a thing of resilience. But also pokes fun at their illogical, irrational thinking that they are the most broken individual that there is. And I'm like, no, you can be way worse. It's usually yeah, I a weird found a lot of moment. comfort and like a lot of relief on people's faces where I'm just like, dude, like in the grand scheme of things, 
like I admire the crap out of you. Like this is incredible that you're here with me doing this, doing that. And they're just like, really? I'm like, yeah, yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Interesting. So Chandler, that I've, you articulated the hell out of that one. I didn't even got no questions. Like she was spot on. Here's this, this, and this. Ooh, I win. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, you that's a yeah. that believe me, that's a tough one. That, I mean, there's a bunch that Anybody she said that I didn't even to stop him to not say anything because this man could talk. This man could talk. There we go. There he's go. down now. There he is. Yeah, because the way his full body like went into full shock mode and like meh. I'm like, that's the neuro spiciest thing I've seen today. Uh, <laughs> to full on, I don't know what. spicy, I like that. Oh, yeah, neuro spicy as shit. I don't know what bird does that where they shove their head into the sand. You're ostrich? talking about a flamingo or an ostrich. Damn it. Flamingo. So flamingo's the one legged one. God damn it. <laughs> you know all about flamingos. Uh, <laughs> I do. Also, I've got one. If you want to, you can get a, some of our merch, Neuro Spicy, on our website. Neuro Spicy. Yep. Neuro Spicy. Um, neuro Spicy is not going by me. It's going by a lot of other neurodivergent folks. Been out there for a while. I we heard just it. Made and I made a like, t shirt out of it. Yep. We got stickers too. Um, and stickers. Yeah. yeah. Sorry about that. I, I, I'd love that. Uh, it is ostrich. But the fact that he said flamingo, something very like pink and flamboyant, that was his first thing. I'm like, yeah, look hey. who's gay now. <laughs> it's me. I'm like, you want to take a shower later? <laughs> I'm sorry. No, that hurry back. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> okay. Um, uh, random. That was actually the fourth scene. The third scene, which we'll get into now, is yes. our last scene, uh, is the uh, the baby one. Which I actually think is the uh, best scene. So, Spence, give background on that baby scene, and then Kat will chop yes. it up. Yes. So, Ross's uh, ex-wife is having his baby, and uh, he's having an argument with her girlfriend, his wife's girlfriend, her ex-wife's girlfriend, because then she comes out as gay uh, That's right. later on. And uh, they're both actually her phoebe and ross are stuck in the closet together in the hospital i've been there. as she's having the baby <laughs> sounds like a weird joke but okay um uh Same people so... stuck in the closet <laughs> they all did <laughs> <laughs> there's oxygen in there i don't understand um continue geez. uh but and so they're so Ross and the uh, wife slash girlfriend, I think at this time, they're still like, they're not married yet. Um, oh. And they're arguing pretty much about uh, who's going to like really love their son more. And uh, because, you know, either it's it's tough because obviously he's the biological father um, and he was with his wife for years and you have that attachment and then now you have like the new girlfriend there and i think that's honestly i think that's a really good um 
kind of showing of how like any type of relationship can happen uh, no matter what it is um because sometimes you know you get divorced and then you have new people in your life and so they want to show love to their son and then phoebe um kind of shows that hey i didn't get the love from either of my parents um, because they were gone early on in my life. And I wish I had, you know, three people uh, that could really give me that love and attention uh, through my life. And that kind of stopped all the arguing between them. Drop the mic on them. Drop Drop the baby. Why? Why? Because God, shut up. Because Collins <laughs> dropped the kid like three times in the last... Why are you... What? I don't know. I love how you're like... The one guy who like probably beats himself up about this. I know. Like, I'm going to get on my show and tell everyone. I know. Hey. I should not tease him about it. I know he hates himself about it. I literally God. sent him a Snapchat. If like I see the kid with another bruise on their head, I'm taking the baby. Five minutes later, he's like, yeah, the baby fell again. <laughs> I literally was like, well, I'm calling CPS. She's mine. <laughs> she is mine now. Yeah. Um, the next day, she's like, they, she choked on her food, and like we thought she was dying. I'm like, you've tried to kill this kid in the last ten days. Um, I don't think I can do any better, but I'm taking over. <laughs> All right, <laughs> continue. Mic drop. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Um, um, I think especially for. I think when you talk to your clients, like they're all kind of waiting for this moment. It's like an eye-opening moment of clarity of that you do not have it as bad as you could, right? And we've kind of already talked about that. Um, But especially through, I know Nas has a lot of experience and he's, you know, he's talked like with a lot of his clients about this but have you kind of had those moments with your clients at all um cat moments and just like those just like those moments of like they finally kind of see through another perspective oh okay, kind of like just how own. ross did in the in, in the those other are my favorite. yeah like, i those just oh they give me so much joy mm. um, and i i think as clinicians we hang on to those moments like mm. there's so much hard stuff in the work that we do and i don't know if you can resonate with this nas but you know we we see so much pain we see so much just yep ick. um and to have those moments where you you see like the cogwheel shift in like somebody's mind like you mm. you see it in their eyes and it's it's just it's bewildering and it's it's wonderful um and you know i'm i practice from an experiential lens so i think mm-hmm. healing happens when we're not just doing talk therapy um so i love to like get people's like you know full bodies going like the sensory system engaged um and so like you know these moments will come about like when we're like you know knuckle deep in slime or you know throwing a ball outside or doing some sort of like really cool thing um mm-hmm. and i love to repeat it back you know if if somebody says something just like with clarity or like that moment where it's like oh i can see the shift i always like to pause and be like let me just repeat this back see let me let me say this again so we're able to like tickle all the parts of the brain 
of like, look at this, look at this perspective. Let's pause here for a moment. I can I just like shout out Phoebe for like always like having those moments with Ross. Like yeah, again, definitely. like we started off with like Phoebe being like, you know, let's let's humble you for a moment with some empathy. And then Phoebe again being like, can I Hey everyone, I wanted to give a special shout out to our collaborator, Two Nerds Candle Company. Not only do they have great products, but they are also giving back to a great cause. You can tell that they take a lot of pride in making their candles. My favorite is Spock's Monday Coffee. They are also donating 10% annually to support Women in STEM, which stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, and Mathematics. You can use our code DSP or go to our link tree to get 20% off your entire order. We think that this company is great and we think you will too. So go check them out. I just tell you how your problem isn't like earth shattering. <laughs> <laughs> you little punk. <laughs> you little privilege. Yeah, punk. Um, <laughs> not to take your steam, but I think that's what I was going to ask you is for someone that's probably seen as maybe not intelligent in the show, she has these very powerful moments where she's able to exude her lens and then open and free other people's minds. And I feel like anyone that feels no divergent of the weird or the outcast or any of that, you still have the ability to change people's lives, to see things outside the box, even when others are lost for words or lost in their own thoughts. So we all have worth, we all have value. You mentioned that about earlier about the book that you wrote, uh, about other people having worth and value in certain ways, right? We all have that. She does stupendously because in that moment she shows her pain and it's not like a who has the bigger trauma thing she's like hey wait a minute this baby's lucky as shit because it has three people because you got to watch out with the silver lining stuff spence because you were kind of treading right. on that that is mm -hmm. used very rarely like it could be so much worse you use it but it has to be right person right time context the way she articulated is fuck that baby's lucky i wish i had that and then they're both like, oh, geez, now I feel like shit. And I and think it's like a beautiful way of like, sorry to interrupt you, of mm -hmm. like, here's something, it's like that figure eight, right? Like, here's something that they're viewing as a problem, but she's viewing as a positive. Mm -hmm. you know, I, I always like to draw like, oh, sorry, it's a the six. Infinity. Right. Or the infinity too. Yeah. You know, it, it depends on the perspective. We use infinity here because, you know, the sign of autism, right? So uh, that's why you said eight. I said, you mean infinity sign. Uh, you, you mean what you, a different spectrum. Exactly. Right. Different spectrum. You read my mind. Um, it is interesting. I was going to ask you a question and then I lost it. The ADHD is taking hold. Mm -mm. We were talking about her. And our ability to articulate and change. Oh, uh, the powerful moments with clients. That was the first, not the first. You laughed and smiled a lot with us today. But that was like the something from your core, uh, where mm -hmm. you talked about that feeling, that sensation that you get from that that life changing moment, right? That powerful moment when you finally know we've like we're moving somewhere, and you and then you rub their nose in it, like, hey, you, you know, yeah. I do it all the time. What'd you just say? And you're like, we told no, back it up. What'd you just say? I said, you but Pokemon. Nah, before you said Pokemon, asshole. That yeah. profound thing that you said where you actually complimented yourself and you said you did very well, you're good or you're kind, or I do have friends, what whatever it is. And I'm like, sometimes I'll catch people like, did you just say something nice about yourself? And they'll be like, I hate you. 
<laughs> yes, and that's the response I get too. Is I hate you. I'm like, dude, come on. Hey, hate you means I love you. That's what that means. That's the Chandler in them. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to acknowledge that that was the first real, real, real grin. Is when you were like, I just love that moment. And that is a very magical moment that I think almost no one in the world will see other than therapists. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how to explain that moment. I've talked about it on the pod with Spence. It's like you've got this human's life in your hands. Mm-hmm. No. There's a human entity. Let's say that your hand can go like through them. For me, it's like I can grab on and like hold this individual soul or spirit. Or it's like a heart that you squeeze that's like dead, and then you turn the heart on with like a little squeeze, and then they finally are able to circulate. It's like this weird thing that I see in my head. When you finally make that connection with them, and you, and you, and they, yeah, it's weird. And like you feel the energy in the room. I don't know if, if this is an experience you've ever had, but like when the energy is just like really intense or just really just raw, like I'll find myself just like vibrating sometimes of just like, you know, there's, there's so much in the space. Um, yeah. I know that sounds whimsical, but I mean, it, it's that raw and true. You might need a tetanus shot. Maybe. It's called rabies. Oh, <laughs> you got, they bit your no, ass. That's what it was. I knew that squirrel bit me. I knew it. <laughs> yep. knew. It was that sandwich. <laughs> it was that damn sandwich. <laughs> uh, we got uh, it. it was dry jeez no man you're right um the other day it happened see you've been in therapy for two years you sat down with me one day i didn't understand what the hell you were talking about first 20 minutes i told you to shut up straight up should stop i don't know what the hell you just saying a bunch of stupid fucking words right now and you've been confusing me and intellectualizing so much i'm getting lost and i'm about to go to sleep i didn't say that part i was about to go to sleep what is actually going on? And then I kept having to fight to actually talk about real emotions and what actually is going on and pull out the feelings wheel. And as we got deeper and deeper, we got into some real stuff, like real stuff. Told me things they've never told anyone in the world. We talked about that. We sat in it. We validated it, even though they were bad things. I don't really care because there's no shame in it. And then we were mm-hmm. able to make some really good breakthroughs and start gaining patience and kindness and empathy for themselves, but for others. And that was wonderful to see someone who's been in therapy for two years sit down with me and get to like the real stuff. Mm-hmm. Instead of just letting them talk and talk and talk and intellectualize. And I'm like, okay, we're going in circles here now. I can give you some coping skills, but that hasn't worked in two years. Right. Let's talk about why you're so deregulating so much and you're so angry. Phoebe has a way of doing that and going right in for the kill in a good way. I love her. Yeah. I got respect for her now. Before, I'm like, ah, she's weird. But I ain't watched the show in a while. <laughs> she's weird. What a weirdo. <laughs> she weird. <laughs> she weird. It is. Um, she's just weird. She just weird. They're all weird. They all are messed up. What'd you say earlier? You said breakups usually revert back to some old stuff or childhood stuff or other old breakups. I was like, ah, that does make sense. And I feel like I do know that. Because it's hard to push others away or to keep them, or the devil you know is better than the devil you don't know. Mm. A lot of different reasons why folks won't break up, Spence. Mm. I guess I didn't tell my part of that. Sometimes I will lay out the paths for people for breakups. 
we have five choices. We break up, we stay together, we break up, and then it goes bad or it goes good if you stay together. It goes bad or it goes good if you break up. And these are the divergence of how bad they can go and how good they can go in those. So we just kind of build it out like this pyramid scheme thing. And then we kind of actually take away all the ones that we know is not going to happen. Like, oh, okay, you break up, he turns into a vampire, kills you. Okay, we know that one's not going to happen. <laughs> good. Uh, <laughs> you never know. <laughs> good. Um, so I like to dissect those and segregate some of those. And then we have the real options. It makes it a little bit funner. Also to lay them out. Sometimes we draw them. And then I'd be like, well, I know what I would do. I can't tell you what to do because I'm an animal. I know what I would do, but I am not mm -hmm. you. And then, and then, you know, every, every therapist says it, but I say it fun, more funny. You know, you, I'm 6'2", 340-pound Mexican. He's a 120-pound white girl. So we're going to have different choices. And she's like, yep, probably we will. Slightly. <laughs> Just slightly. Slightly <laughs> different. Uh, I'm also, uh, you know, a dude. So um, I like to... I like to go through that and to let them know that even though I may think or do something, doesn't mean that you would or the next person or the next person. Uh, sometimes I will go there, depending on the client, depending on the context, depending on the length of therapy and partnership with me. Or I'll talk about choices that I may make. And then I'll paraphrase it with, whatever you do, I got your back. Because don't you come into my office thinking that I'm going to be upset with you because you think you may know what I would do. So at the end of the day, none of us really know that we're going to do in a certain situation until we're in it. Mm -hmm. We can all think that we know what we're going to do. You really don't know until you're in it. Because I don't want them to think that they're disappointed or they let me down or like I'm in this father or uncle role and then, you know, I'm going to shame them. I don't care about that. Mm -hmm. So I'll have clients that'll be a prolonged breakup, Spence. Mm -hmm. It'll be a... It's usually not the breakups that are hardest for me, actually, Spence. It's the other things. It's actually admitting that there's intimacy and that they love the person and they want mm -hmm. to build a relationship with that person. That's usually where it's they're both playing chicken to see who's going to break first. Sometimes it works out really good and they're like, hey, man, I think I like you. We have a conversation about the things that we like and it goes well. And then I've had it where my person will say something and then the other person's like, yeah, no, we're going to break up. And my kid's like, so why did we do that? Mm. Like, because you were already dying in the relationship. So either if, whether you stayed together or broke up, you were either going to fake it and die or break up and die. Either way, you were dying inside. We didn't lose anything. You did. That's She's right. like, but I'm sad you were already sad. But at yeah. least I had him. Did you really? Yeah. You had the version. He had the version of you that you don't like portraying. So he didn't really have you and you didn't have him. Aren't you better now? No. Okay. <laughs> No, because they're broken up. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to go back to the breakup thing. So they're complicated, but usually admitting that there's real intimacy and the real love or connection there, that's a scary one. Especially yeah. when you're not fully sure that they're all in when you're like all in. Right. Uh, Vulnerability. Right. Vulnerability is a son of a gun. In almost every fashion, it's a son of a gun, but in relationships, mm. new ones, yeah, that's probably the most therapizing I actually get into. Spence is 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 vulnerability in newer relationships. Not so much as breaking up. Everyone's getting broke, dumped. <laughs> get dumped. Everyone just straight up dumped, dumped. Everyone's no like real relationships here. Just dumped, dumped. <laughs> <laughs> I got dumped twice. It's like king me and checkers. 
Gotcha. <laughs> I got seven of them. I got broken I up jump. with twice this month. I got, I'm gonna jump all the spaces. <laughs> is that um, legal? It is now. It is now. Uh, so the baby scene. Tying all of it back into Phoebe and attachments. So, Catherine, you, you pick these scenes. They're all different, but yet they're all related with Phoebe and they're all related on attachment styles. I would assume this is something that you enjoy working with, is helping people move or maneuver those attachments, gaining more love and honesty and vulnerability, but also protecting themselves. I assume this is why you picked some of these things. For specific scenes, or uh, let's talk about attachment styles and why you pick these scenes. So, I really enjoy working with folks, um, as parents in particular, um, parents who are trying to parent differently and also reparenting themselves. Um, because I think a lot of this stuff is kind of like that generational trauma. Um, that just like attaches to us and you know perpetuates through the ways that we are within relationships with one another um and it's funny that you ask like why i picked these scenes it was probably very subconscious like i i would love to say there was this profound experience picking them but um you know i think this was just me kind of showcasing just what i really enjoy playing with uh or you know holding space for it within the therapy room um is very I love to work with folks in empowering themselves and trusting themselves and befriending themselves, which I think Phoebe does an excellent job of. Um, and also I just, I love the contrast of Phoebe and Chandler. Like I think they're very opposite. Yes. Um, and so I think it just really much showcases a lot of what I really wish folks could see. Um, not don't be the Ross, right? Don't be the Ross that gets distracted by the cat yeah. um, or the break or what have you. But, you know, be the Phoebe who like dares to ask the questions and, you know, be the Phoebe who holds space for, for people and, and encourages and doesn't try to one up. Like there's, there's very little defensiveness in Phoebe. Yeah. So, I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, I got something else to dig further. Um, <clears throat> this will probably help our podcast listeners the most. Uh, not, not the most. All these scenes have been good metaphors to show people different attachment styles, why or when or how they come up in life, uh, maybe how to combat some of those things, how to hold space, kindness, different things, support. Um, but how do you, what's this thing befriend each other? And and, and I, I trust you to be like authentically you, not to be some BS. Um, what the hell is this befriend each other and, and uh, yourself, I mean? And then how does one even start that process? And then I'll piggyback and I'll help you out too. So I think there, I, I wrote a blog post about this a little while ago, but you know, there's a lot of running in therapy. Um, people come to therapy and they're running. I ain't running, running nowhere, so fuck you. <laughs> If you were like, I, I guys, didn't watch people run. Oh um, hell you know. no! <laughs> now I'm a. You gonna get stabbed? I'm sorry. <laughs> there it is, folks. There it is. We don't condone stabbing. We don't. Okay. We don't. 
Continue. No, but you know, there's there's a lot of like running in circles. There's mm-hmm. running around the the thing that we need to talk about. Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of running, and so mm-hmm. we run from ourselves so much of the time. We run from the hard stuff. We run from parts of ourselves that are begging for vulnerability, or it's it's begging to be bold, begging to be different, um, and I think a, a big component of the work that I do at least is being able to see yourself in a different light to where you're not the villain and you're not bad and also to hold space and say, I'm sorry for the, the parts of your world that have made you feel that way. Because I don't think there's ever been anybody or a lot of the times there haven't been people that have said, I'm sorry. Um, yeah. And so, you know, really again, shedding a different perspective. And I like to tell folks to you, like whenever, you know, they first start therapy with me is you're very much in the driver's seat and I'm in the passenger seat and I've got a bunch of different maps and we're going to try out whatever maps and you're going to be able to find which one fits best for you or which one gets you to the place you want to be. And I'm going to be patient and kind, but like periodically I'm going to ask, is this crap or not crap? Um, Because I would really like to know what works for you. And I can't read minds yet. I haven't figured that one out. So um, I like to keep it a little lighthearted, but I also like to poke at the hard stuff. And I also like to create novel experiences where they talk about the really hard stuff or the stuff that they feel shame about, but create the novel experience of you're not a bad guy. I don't judge you. You know, I, I'm having empathy for the parts that you think are bad. And so kind of going from there and seeing what works. And so bad could, bad could be interchanged with uh, multiple different words. So bad, broken, flawed, uh, irredeemable, many different things it could be interchanged out with. And then starting from there, acknowledging and then building your way back up. Okay. But first for, with you, it's acknowledging, sitting in, processing, step-by-step, either forgiving or moving forward. So as I told a human the other day, I said, you stare too much. That metaphorical. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm staring at you now. I say, yeah, I don't like that either. <laughs> Stop looking at me in the eyes. Um, but you stare too much. He said, what are you talking about? I said, it's an old Martin Luther King quote. You know, it's okay to look, just don't stare. Mm-hmm. Also, we're not going backwards. Why are you looking? We're going forwards. We're not going that way. Going this way. Um, so I like to point people in that direction as well. I'm not talking about forgetting or immediately forgiving. I'm just saying that these emotions only last four seconds in a brain. You're choosing to hit the button over and over and over unless you're forcing yourself to suffer. I'm saying there's a different way and a different path. Mm-hmm. Your way has not been working. So what do you got to lose going doing it my way? It ain't been working. If it was working, you wouldn't be sitting here with my crazy ass. So let's try to change it up a little bit. I know you don't want to change. I know it's comfortable. But something's got to give. And if you trust me, I'm like, do you trust me? And they're like, yep. Well, we got to do something, kid, because you're suffering. And so that's when we start to create those changes and then do the real work. And we try to repair some of these personality-related things, attachment-related things. I think it's very important for everyone on the pod right now to know this podcast is about attachment styles. 
It's about how to recover from some of these traumas or these different things, life experiences to where you can be fully in or out of a relationship when needed. And also to say that there's no right or wrong way to do some of these things. As long as you're not hurting anyone else. Uh, you know, no if you stabbing. fuck up. You know, people got what they get coming. They got what they get coming. They get what they got coming. There we go. No condoning. Um, I just think about all my humans with these attachment styles because they've been... Spencer, we just did that podcast on Jack. Yep. Imagine him moving forward in the world where he didn't actually get to make those deep friends. He would be so depressed and suicidal, so isolated. I actually think I, I cried in the very beginning of the movie with that when that robot arm, he's watching all the kids and they're talking about it, he's like, humans. Ah. Yeah. It just lets you know how different he feels from everyone else. So the attachment style for that is probably going to be, why even change? I'm so weird and flawed. No one's ever really got close to me. Why would they want to? I'm some monster. Some Ninja Turtle, they got transformed by ooze that no one will even talk to me. Didn't matter how much pizza you give people. Um, and that is a very sad and isolating place to be. You know, I got students uh, that are no divergent and they're in so many different things. And I got a kiddo, you know, that recently come, you know, multiple folks I've had this and they don't want to tell me about some of their special interests or their bisexual identities, right? Gender, whatever it is. And they'll tell me, I'm like, okay, so why are you scared, right? So I know there's a lot of weirdness around folks that are like furries and stuff, but I've got some clients that have some furries. It's a thing. Um, so a wonderful community. And so it's interesting always asking questions about identities, about interest, and then them being like, no, I've always bullied about this, or people hate this, or this is something that could be used against me later on if someone was to find out. How do I fully trust you? I don't know you. And every time everyone else brought this up or I brought this up, I was bullied and hurt. Or maybe, maybe abused mentally, physically, emotionally, sexually. So it's tough for the therapist to even have a good attachment. So I'm going to end on this. As you know, Kat, sometimes you just you bring it back and you work to the therapist bond and attachment. So we'll, we'll push comes to shove, I bring it back to that sometimes. Mm-hmm. So how does this relate to, let's say, like me and you? And why is this different for, differ from me and you and how we communicate? Because you're open with me, but not others. So we start, so, okay. So I present this, this, and this. That way you feel safe, safe, and safe. And I'm held by law, whatever. Does this other person have any of those qualities? Yes, no. And then we kind of filter out where do I enmesh with this other human that they're contacting? And how can we create a safer or choose safer folks? to build up our attachment styles, to actually have love, friendship. Attachment styles and building yourself up is so fucking complicated. Because we feel like we suck at everything. I remember one time I was playing a video game, Spence, because I was like legit ranked. Mm -hmm. By 2010 through 2012 in NBA Live, I was like, I think at one time, like top 30 in the world. Mm-hmm. Just playing it, playing it, playing. I remember I would lose and I couldn't crack it any further because the dudes were like legit good. I fucking yeah. suck at everything. Throws my fucking remote. I should just fucking die. 
I'm not the strongest. I'm not the coolest. I'm not the funniest. I'm not even the best at game. Top 30 in the, in the world. <laughs> I hate those fucking moments. And me and Spence, we've talked about it. Many of my students feel like that. Super mediocre. Even though they're in like the top 1% for education. Mm-hmm. Makes no sense. All right. I had one thing to ask you, Kat, and I was going to end it. Oh, it was a funny joke. So I know you picked all these attachment styles, right? And you see, you got oh. partner and you got kids Uh-oh. and stuff. I don't know if you, if you the Phoebe and you just cold or you, 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 you the Chandler and just being funny. Like since you're on this podcast, I assume you got more Chandler in you. I don't know. I honestly, I'm going to like, I'm, I'm more Monica. Okay. All right. More Monica. Oh, but I want to be like Phoebe. Yeah, I can see that. Sometimes you can't have the things that you want. No. What was that song she always sang? Happy cat, happy cat, smelly cat, smelly cat, happy cat. Man, hey, smelly cat. You really watch Friends? Liar. It's been a while. Sorry. We need to ask a question to everyone else watching. So I'm going to put a poll and a thing on Spotify. It's only going to be answerable on Spotify. Which character do I identify as? There you go. Which character do you hate? <laughs> I wonder what character <laughs> is going to get the most votes. It's going to be weird. The white man. They just put that. The white man. <laughs> I didn't know you could write your own answers in there. Oh, I can do a poll, yes. But instead of doing the yeah, poll... No, just do a poll. Just do a poll. No, the poll is usually uh, if they Don't like our new guest. Their answers. I want to make... say, D A white man. <laughs> okay, I'll do a poll. Um... Hey, hey, this is your co-host Spencer, and I'm bringing you a special message from our collaborator, Silver Dollar Candles. They have great sense to go with great messages. Just like best dad ever, true crime and chill, and my personal favorite, when this candle is lit, give me that You can also make your own candle and message that fits you. So go use our link in our link tree to get your order placed with silver dollar candles today. But yes, folks, who who do you uh, like and identify as? Who do you have more of the characteristics of? If it's a mesh? Then, uh, then, then let us know, and uh, yeah, we'll see you in the reels. But I am done, Spence. Unless you got some other stuff you want to sprinkle. Nope. Uh, thank you, Cat, for joining us today. Please, can you give us a few plugs on where we can reach you? What your book is? Where we can buy your book? All that fun stuff. Um, today has been a blast, by the way. Thank you so much for this opportunity. But I they all say that. Account. Wait a minute. They all say that, cat. It's been a blast, and then they, and then they block me, and then they never come back. I won't do that to you. That's what they all say. See, this is my attachment <laughs> style. That's what they all say. You're lying to me. I'm going to give you evidence that's different. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> but. Um, I am Kat the Counselor um, on Instagram, all one word, um, K-A-T. Um, and then I have a website. Um, it's katthecounselor.com. Um, okay. 
And I, again, I have a blog on there, um, tidbits and tangents from both sides of the therapist chair and worksheets. Um, and then I have the book, The Tale of a Trio. I'll try to put it up again. There it is. Ha ha. Um, yay. So yeah, The Tale of a Trio, T-A-I-L. Um, it is on Amazon, um, also on my website. Uh, you can order it on my website for a signed copy if you so want. Um, but if not, it's on yeah. And it's pretty cool. I've had clinicians uh, use it within their therapy. It's a really good bibliotherapeutic book. Um, great for teachers as well, just trying to like foster positive relationships. Um, or just if you want a fun bedtime story for your kiddo that you actually enjoy as well. Um, but okay. that is me and the tale of a trio that page is on Facebook. So Okay. I will yeah. add your book uh, into our therapist recommended into our link tree so if folks want to go on our link tree it'll always be there from now on on our amazon books we recommend so it's the ones i give out in therapy plus some other ones that therapists have been this podcast of wrote and then plus i'll link all your stuff your website and your instagram and every single post it'll be linked in everything and everything that we do uh for this series so we'll we'll be good there thank you yep amazing and speaking of our link tree Go check out all of our great collaborators that we have been so lucky to team up with. I'm yeah. not going to name them all, but go check them out. You can get up to 20% off your entire order if you go use our code DSP or DSP20. And with that, thank you so much for watching, everybody. I'm Spencer. That's Nas. This is the Different Spectrums Podcast. Much love and appreciation. Uh, Kat, very, very welcoming, very awesome to have you on. Very funny. Yes. I love that you yeah. rolled with a lot of the stuff today. I guarantee yeah. you, your clients and neurodivergent clients love you. Um, for real, for real. Yeah, guarantee it. Because I quite enjoyed you. And if I did, then they do. Um, so, Wanda Furman. Yeah, yeah. It's more than that, though. It's more about having a blast. Also, you can tell you're good people. Uh, so, that's good. Y'all are okay. Uh, I'm just kidding. Oh, uh, yeah, I know I suck. It's fine. And never be on the show again. All right. It's because my Go that book, whatever she calls it. Um, uh, but yeah, everyone, kidding. remember, take care of yourself. Or don't. That shit's up to you. Peace. You so messed up that line. <laughs> no, so that shit's up to you. I messed no, up. you messed up the line. Shut up. You messed it up. <laughs> whatever. Your fuzzy ass eyebrows. <laughs> with your fussy ass body. <laughs> uh, all right, everyone. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>